if they, if you really want that value in the patient to value what you're doing, just make your service something that's more expensive that allows you to actually do it and maybe only see five patients a day, but it's well worth your time. Hey, welcome to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast, the number one show for passionate physical therapists looking to start and grow an even more successful cash-based physical therapy business. I'm your host, Aaron LeBauer. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, before we get to the episode, real quick, if you're new to the show or haven't picked up your Cash PT checklist yet, then you're definitely missing out. This checklist lays out all the steps you need to start a cash-based physical therapy business. If you want me to send that to you, then just text CASHPT to 444-999. That's C-A-S-H-P-T to the number 444-999. And you'll get this essential checklist. Now on to the show. Hello, welcome back to the CASHPT Lunch Hour podcast. This is Aaron LeBauer, and today my guest is Rob Vining. And Rob is here to talk about telehealth with us because... You've asked me about telehealth and what do I do? Like I got some answers, but I got to bring on the experts. So Rob is a physical therapist and he's been practicing PT for uh, 15 years or so. Um, he's created a apps and uh, had a telehealth practice himself that he had to actually recently shut down because he's so busy teaching other people how to run telehealth businesses and, and creating uh, new technology for PTs. So um, Rob, thank you for uh, spending your time with us here today and coming on the show. Absolutely, man. I appreciate being on. This is great. I love educating and just talking about telehealth. I could do it all day, man. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I just want to thank you uh, personally for having me um, come in your group uh, about a week or two ago. And even, you know, I was on your podcast, PT Tech Talk, a couple of years ago. So um, yeah. thank you very much. I'm finally glad to return the favor. <laughs> yeah. Sorry it's taken me so long. No worries. Um, but, uh, you know, over the years, um, I've seen you, like, when when we were on PT Tech Talk, you had this app, PT Live. And mm -hmm. then you've, uh, you're now doing not only that, um, you're doing telehealth and, and teaching it and doing these things. So mm -hmm. give me like a, give me like the two minute summary, like how'd you even get out of clinical practice and into digital physical therapy stuff and like take me in. And then I want to know like, how do we go from PT Live to like telehealth and we're going to yeah. dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So quick summary on it. So doing um, my clinical settings with a bunch of McKinsey practitioners, including two of the international faculty, um, when I was mm -hmm. back in Austin and going to Texas State University, that was the first thing that kind of put it in my head that, ooh, I might not have to touch every patient that I see to get them better. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the initial idea. I had already created some software. Um, if you look at my name in clear channel communications, you'll find this big lawsuit I got into in the music industry back in the day with some, uh, a whole system that I'd made. So it was a whole mess there. So I was already well-versed in the tech space. And then when I got into PT school, I was like, you know what, there's a big opportunity here. Of course, mm -hmm. 15 years later, now it's finally here. But right. at that point in time, I was like, you know, I'm just going to play around and do it. So um, started using MSN Messenger and a webcam, those big ball webcams. And, mm -hmm. you know, MSN Messenger was the only thing in town that actually would be able to hold the data to have a video conference. Um, saw a bunch of people on boats and yachts because they were the ones that found me through Google when they typed in online physical therapy. Um, and then after a few years, Google tanked my ranking. So it went from like top three results for that search term to page 12. 
Wow. And so at that point, it was like the next day I was like, oh, what do I do now? So just kind of went back into the clinical side. I was always kind of using telehealth as needed for patients that would, you know, I, I worked in Fort Worth and people lived an hour and a half way outside of Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. east of Dallas. I would see them that way if needed. Um, but then about five years ago, really got back into it, um, started doing directpt.com again. That was my original site. If you look in the Wayback Machine, you'll see that old piece of crap. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, started doing that. And then three and a half years ago, made PT Live and went from that, which was like a little live chat box, mm-hmm. and then added a telehealth component to it. And then we've kind of spun that into um, several of different business strategies that we've gone through. Um, it's been fun, man, especially this year. It's growing like a yeah. weed. Yeah. So. Oh man. Well, I, like I know I can tell from the questions that I receive and the questions in my group and you know, that, that it is like, we're still not like here in Greensboro, you know, we're still not getting people saying, Oh, I need you to help me. And I can't come into the clinic. Yeah. But I still get a lot of my friends will call me and, you know, and ask for help. And, you know, yeah. there's certain things that I can, and I can help them a lot. And I, there's certain things I can't really help so yeah. with, you know, cause I can't touch them through the phone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Talk about, tell me like, was there ever a decision like when you first started in PT that, Hey, I'm going to go into business for myself and do these things. Or is this like your part of your brain, the way your brain works, like, okay, there's a solution here and no one else is doing it. I'm just going to make it easier for my life. Yeah. yeah, More, more the latter because I, I was already working for a hospital system and even 15 years ago, it was halfway decent. I'd only have eight to 10 on my schedule Mm -hmm. instead of everybody I talked to now. I was like, yeah, 20. And I'm like, what? Right. Like that's commonplace. Um, so back then it wasn't quite as funneled into burnout as it would be now, in my opinion. Um, so I always had the, the, the engineer's brain of trying to figure out how do I solve this problem? And of course, nobody in the, the PT space were even thinking about that 15 years ago. So I was just like, well, it's wide open space. I might as well start creating something that fixes this. Right. Um, and kind of got into it that way, but it's, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing is I just have that mind that's an engineer's mind. If I could build stuff all day, I would. I've made furniture and I don't need plans or anything. You know, yeah. it's just measure cut and I think I'm going to make it this way and it turns out good. So I do the same thing with software. So do you, do you have an engineering degree undergrad or? No, none. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't. My dad is an engineer. Um, so that's probably where it comes from is him teaching me all different ways to do things correctly. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's kind of just been instilled in the, the, the work ethic that I have is to do it correctly the first time yeah. and always think about the outliers and to almost, you know, compensate for those outliers before you release something or before you craft something, mm-hmm. have those in mind. Um, so that's yeah. kind of the fun part is thinking about that, yeah. which is Me- measure twice, cut once that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So let me, this is a theme lately that I've been talking about is about perfection and, and people actually like stalling, you know, and having uh, decision paralysis. So with that in mind, like using, okay, I've got this engineer's mind and yet I've got to analyze all these things. You've obviously got a lot of stuff done. So how do you not let that keep you in the way of, getting things done and, and making progress in your businesses. Yeah. My, the good thing is um, the other thing I think that kind of plays into this is I was a defensive back playing football from mm-hmm. high school all the way through college. Right. So if you're a defensive back, your job is to prevent touchdowns, mm-hmm. but you have to have the shortest memory known to man. So if somebody scores on you, you can't pout because the next play is coming up. And you better be ready to play at the, your optimal level. Mm-hmm. So I think it's that combination of having that engineering dad that taught me all this stuff 
and then having that background of playing football where you had to have just a 10 second memory and that was it. So putting something out into the wild, it's like I finish it, get it to a point and I'm like, all right, need feedback. And then I throw it out there always with the, the thing in the back of my head that I'm going to get the feedback and I need to adjust as needed, yeah. but I can't let it, Oh, hurt my feelings because I didn't make it perfect. It's using that feedback to craft that final product that ends up being the solution you want it to be. Mm. And without feedback, it's just an echo chamber of your own head, you know, right. and you'll never get out of your own head if you don't release it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You know, I know people are like, just, you got to put it out there. You got to get it done. you like in business, we're not shooting for an A. We just need it like viable. Mm-hmm. You know, was the first uh, um, version of PT live? Was it like, did it work perfectly? Oh, it was, it was dog crap. Yeah. yeah. It was decent because it did what we wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily we have a very good core of engineers that we've had from the beginning to now um, that are just as dedicated to this product as I am, which is awesome to have somebody yeah. that's that invested in it. Um, but it's, it's one of those where it, it, if, if you can work together with a team that is on the same page, it seems to go a lot smoother um, mm-hmm. just in creating something like software. Yeah. Wow. So how'd you, so you went from, you were doing PT live, like what need did that fill for you? Like, why did you create that? That was something where I actually wrote a post on that on LinkedIn, where it all jumped into my head one day. I know exactly where I was and exactly what day it was. I was driving down the road towards seeing a um, home health patient because I was seeing some home health patients on the side and also doing orthopedics. And so I'm going to see a home health patient and I'm driving and I see this sign on the road and I don't know why that sign just kind of kicked this whole idea in my head. And I pulled over and I have, I love the note series from Samsung. Mm -hmm. So I just pulled out my little stylus and started writing notes on exactly how the design of this system should go. And it was all based around the summary of, I kept having patients coming in and going, I don't really know if PT can help me. Mm -hmm. And so there's all this realization that patients don't know what PTs do still to this day. And that if we simply had PTs, not specific PTs for that clinic, but sometimes it's just anybody in the profession that can answer those high level questions, then it relaxes the patient and they're more likely to schedule because they see the profession is providing that solution instead of that individual. Now, when they get into the practice, then they'll see, oh, this individual definitely knows what they're doing. And there might be some in the field that are better or worse, but I know this guy that I'm seeing, you know, this guy's fixing my issues and I'm going to suggest everybody come to here. But it's all about starting to get to niche down from, I have a problem, I need a solution. And then having our profession jump in and go, yep, we can solve that. And then from the profession aspect to the next layer deep, mm-hmm. say, oh, there now is this individual in that profession that definitely solves all my problems. Right. So it's kind of that conduit that I saw that the middlemen and the marketers weren't solving because mm-hmm. they weren't PTs. Right, right. No, that's powerful. That's awesome. And so that's coming along and you've got that coming along. You've got your, your own telehealth practice coming along. Yep. And then what happened next? Like, How'd you get from there to now? I don't my, my telehealth practice. Like, yeah, what you know, we had to stop it because I didn't have time to do it because I've got these. Yeah. So PT Live started taking off. Um, I started to do a lot of presentations inside the telehealth physical therapy providers Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time that I started doing those, we might have had a thousand people, um, and that was still we were all supporting each other, all kind of doing just throwing in posts and saying, "Hey, let's discuss this a little bit." It's a very ego free group in there. I think that's what has allowed everybody to grow and allowed the group to grow as Mm -hmm. much as it has Um, because people want to learn and it's not like a a doctor or physical therapy students group, you know, 
where you can just drop a bomb and it's just, you know, train wreck and nobody's educated. It's a bunch of arguments. But inside that group, I was able to do, you know, hour long presentations of Facebook live, just having people do Q and a with me Mm -hmm. talking about that telehealth practice I was doing myself. And then that turned into people wanting to use PT live because that created that marketing system and marketing funnel that I would take an outside individual that lands on my page, uses PT live, talks with me, gets them scheduled and then gets them in the system. Mm -hmm. And then we started adding other little functional components, like a one button click to do an immediate live video consultation to where the person doesn't have to enter any contact info. It's just right now. Now they're talking to you. And then you create that trust that then makes it so much easier for them to click that schedule button, pick a day and time and done. Mm -hmm. So from that, it's just kind of built on itself. And it got to a point last summer where it was 30 visits or 30 visits. It felt like 30 visits, 30 individual conversations a day that I was trying to have with people Mm -hmm. asking about telehealth. And so we threw together telehealthpt.com, which is pretty much our educational resource, which 85% of it is all free on the very top. Mm -hmm. We just want to give that information to our profession and then got into telehealth prime because people wanted customized systems, started making those and then really took PT live to that next level. And that's when we started making this uh, idea of a patient hub, which we have at www.digital.physio. So that's kind of the evolution of it. It sounds like a lot of stuff, but it's all in the same sphere of telehealth PT. And so they kind of work together like different spokes. Yeah, they're synergistic, really synergistic with one another. So what's the patient experience in that? And then what's the PTs, like the provider's experience through those? So the patient's experience, the great part is, if they're searching for something that's for online physical therapy, they're already opting into your service if you offer it because they're the type of people that are very particular. I would say the best summary avatar of this group is a high level professional that does something outside of their job. That is a stress reliever that's exercise related. And if they get injured, they absolutely want to do anything they can as long as it's convenient to get back to their CrossFit, jujitsu, MMA, gym, boxing, whatever they do, you know, That's the type of patient that I've seen consistently across the board. Mm -hmm. And then they're looking for your service. So as soon as they find you, it's an easy opt-in because they just want to validate and verify that you treat back pain. Right. And then they're like, all right, I'm on board scheduling done because it fits into their lifestyle. Now we're not at that point yet where it's so broad and general that people I'm kind of happy still that Medicare patients aren't, we're not approved to treat Medicare Mm -hmm. patients for reimbursement. Because it still kind of keeps the, the waters pretty clear that we can treat anybody we want to treat for cash. And that's the thing that I have always pushed with my practice. And I've never, there's no reason for me to even think about taking insurance, even if I was in a parity state right. for telehealth. Um, I'd always want to just do cash pay because I would keep the control that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, let me, let me ask uh question before I do a follow-up. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So when a provider is coming in, they're basically setting up their own kind of systems and saying, okay, through my own website, through my own clinic's website, this is an option that we offer, or this is maybe the way I only offer things. Is that kind of how this works? And they'll build their own like business and website and incorporate some of these pieces to it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Um, where a lot of the questions come in that I hear, um, you started kind of touching on it and that's why I wanted to circle back. I wanted to finish that and circle back around. It's the cash versus insurance versus like, really it's like, how do I know when it's PT or can I do this across state lines? So 
I'm assuming these are some of the most common questions that you're getting as well. Tons, tons. So you want to run me through a couple of those? It's like you mentioned like, okay, I would do it for cash in a non-parity state. Like what's a non-parity state? Yeah. And and how do you know, like, like how does being cash-based or insurance-based affect the way you deliver telehealth? Yeah. So if there are examples of clinics that are running and um, so a parity state, just quick summary on that one. It's a state where that state says anybody that's insured in that state, they have to be able to do a telemedicine or telehealth visit and the provider gets paid on par with an in-clinic visit. Mm-hmm. I think the, the ATA, if you simply type in ATA, American Telemedicine Association, and parity, P-A-R-I-T-Y, you'll get a result that'll show a map of which states are actually a parity state. And if you're in one of those states, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through. But there's people like um, Sarah Gallagher that runs a dizzy clinic in Colorado, and she does telehealth for vertigo, concussions, you know, dizziness type patients, gets paid through parity. So that's great. She's insurance, but it's too many hoops for me. And mm-hmm. if I'm not in a parity state, I don't even want to touch that, right? right. Because a lot of times they're not going to reimburse you. Um, and the other thing is, if, they, if you really want that value in the patient to value what you're doing, just make your service something that's more expensive that allows you to actually do it and maybe only see five patients a day, mm-hmm. but it's well worth your time. So the thing that I would do, um, I was, I don't think in like, Texas, I never you, even, can you be, can you charge cash in a parity state? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you, you can, can still do that. Okay. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. Um, you just haven't, you know, signed that consent to treat form, all right. that stuff. Right. Um, but in, in my opinion, it's as long as you can see everybody in your state, a lot of people are worried about, Oh, can I see across state lines? It's like, do you need to even risk that? Because number one, you can't provide physical therapy services in a state that you're not licensed in. You can't do that. And number two, the patient has to reside physically right then when they're talking to you in the same state that you're licensed in. So it's a weird detrimental part to using technology, Mm -hmm. but they've put that in as as kind of a caveat to keep everything in house, which is still weird, but who knows? We'll probably solve that in the next few years, hopefully. Um, But yeah, you've got to be, you have to be licensed in the state where the patient resides. Right. So that's not where, so like you could be on vacation in California, your license in Texas, patients in Texas, and you can, you can uh, treat them. And but does that matter? the opposite is not yeah. true. <laughs> the opposite is not true. Yeah. So is that, I mean, like, here's the, here's the question that I, that I hear a lot. I was like, well, does it matter? It's like, if I'm cash, I don't have to worry about that, right? Mm. Still do because of your practice act. Right. Um, so if you are going to be practicing and promoting and saying that you're providing physical therapy services, you got to follow that practice act of where you're licensed. So the only really big outlier practice act that we need to look at when it comes to telehealth is Delaware. Delaware says in their practice that you have to not see a patient for initial evaluation over telehealth. You're not to see them for reassessment. You're not to see them for discharge, but you can do in between for telehealth. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, what? Why not just let me do the whole thing? Right. Um, But other than that, all the states in their practice acts, there's some caveats, especially for Texas. Now Um, they have a few specifics, like you can't use it for uh, uh, supervision. PTAs can't treat via telehealth, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not super restrictive. It's just kind of giving a little little guardrails and safety barriers, yeah. Um, but it's not too restrictive. Is the in there a PT compact with like thirty mm-hmm. some states that have kind of that are starting to sign on to it? Can yeah. So about what that's doing is that actually solving this problem? Yeah, it does. Um, and and Mark Milligan and I just talked about this actually because we're going to do a presentation next week for my old alma mater at mm-hmm. Texas State University. 
Um, so the PT compact, it's got, I think it's got 20 something states that are either have legislation in place or have passed some legislation. There's 12 states now that are enacted. And so what that means is if you're physically located and you live in one of those 12 states, you can apply for the capability to practice in those other states. Now, the weird caveat that Mark was describing to me is that it's not necessarily a license because you can't move to that state that you have a compact privilege and become a permanent residence and then have a license through the compact. You would still have to get a permanent license through that, Mm -hmm. but it just allows you to see patients in those states. So if I was, for example, in Oregon and that's a compact state, I could apply and get 11 more licenses. Right. and then see patients in those states very simply. So it's kind of made nicely for this telehealth revolution, I think, that we're going to go through in the next couple of years. Um, and so when those other states come on board, I mean, we're going to have half the country that mm-hmm. we can actually, if we're in one of those states as our home base, we right. can start seeing patients that way. Right. So right now there's a there's a dozen or so, and if mm-hmm. I had a telehealth business and I wanted to treat people all over the United States, Mm-hmm. That's probably the next thing I should do is make sure I'm getting in on that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So what about people who are like, well, I help people just like, um, you know, get better at CrossFit, you know, or they dance or they do these things. And I'm the specialist. I'm basically the only one of maybe two or three people in the United States, maybe a dozen, but whatever. Like yeah. people yeah. come to me from all over to get my help and they don't actually come to my clinic. Yeah. Is there a, is, is, is there a difference between what we might call in, in air quotes, physical therapy or skilled medical services and coaching performance. And how are you, how are you differentiate? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of also kind of loops back into the practice act of your specific mm-hmm. state. Um, for example, I think Tennessee has some language in their practice act for physical therapy talking about wellness. And that's one of those big things that, that if you get it written correctly and you're in a state that allows it, it will open up some doors for, you know, coaching versus physical therapy because there's that fine line, but it has to be defined and the patient has to know that definition as well. And they have to Mm -hmm. sign off on it so that they know if you're providing coaching, you're not providing a diagnosis and treatment for a specific injury. Mm -hmm. If there's any pain involved, like some states say, Oh, if there's pain, it's physical therapy, you know, but if it's just coaching, it can be coaching. That's what allows me to do, you know, business coaching or Mm -hmm. telehealth consulting. It's not in my practice act, but I can still do it because that is another side of my profession as an individual. It's not all about physical therapy. So it's kind of that fine line. I always suggest that everybody, you know, grab an hour or two of time of a a legal professional Mm -hmm. just to clarify everything and, and, you know, cover your butt so that you don't have, you know, two hours can cover 10 years of heartache. So I always tell that and they're like, oh, but they're expensive. It's like, do you like your license and your profession? If you want to stick in it, spend some cash, you yeah. know, and make sure that you're covered there. But that's how, that's how that works and how I suggest to people. Okay. That's a, that's a great point. Um, tell me more about like, what are some of the things that people need to know, you know, if they want to get started in a telehealth practice, like what are the things they need to have in place or the things they need to make sure that they don't avoid you yeah. know, to do before, you know, to, to even just get something off the ground and start seeing people on the side or yeah. you know, if they want to do it full time. Yeah. So the number one thing that I suggest everybody is to get super comfortable with the technology first, because that's the biggest barrier for everybody. Like mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable hopping on a zoom call and 
you know, knowing which buttons to push and also knowing what issues the other person may have that you have to guide them through. You need to be comfortable with the technology you're using. So I always tell everybody, just practice with family and friends. Mm-hmm. Just have, you know, pseudo patient cases that you're running through family and friends. It's only going to take a dozen or so to get comfortable with that software, but that's also going to prevent a situation where somebody pays you, they show up, they can't connect and they're like, what am I doing wrong? And you have no answer. And then your whole hour is wasted doing tech support. Yeah. So if you can be comfortable with your technology first, that is my number one ground rule with everybody that talks to me about this. Mm -hmm. So once you're comfortable with your technology, then you want to see if you want to implement it into your current brick and mortar or a mobile physical therapy practice. You have to make it super convenient for the patient to number one, contact you live real time or talk to some sort of professional live real time because if they're looking for telehealth already they want some sort of taste of that experience to get them on the hook to say oh you know what i like this way Mm -hmm. i like this method and so it might be that you end up getting a patient in you're doing an hour eval and after 10 minutes of the eval you're like you know what you really need to be in the clinic okay well go see them or get them to your clinic or if you're only doing a digital practice refer out because that's a massive marketing opportunity that you can do to meet another practitioner that you refer them to. They're going to sit there and look at you funny, like a dog that doesn't understand something, you know, like, huh? And they're going to ask you what you're doing. And then anybody in the future that needs some sort of services that you provide, you're going to open up that avenue of referral that way. So I just kind of lay that out for people because that's kind of the, the carte blanche blanket approach that opens people's minds to get them out of that space of, I have to touch every single individual. And I still say that there might be 25% of patients that are really good candidates for telehealth, Mm -hmm. but the hands-on portion is never going to get out of our field and it should never get out of our field. Right. But we've just got to be able to elevate our status to capture as many people as we can because we're only getting 12% right now. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. let's raise that bar and get another 5%. Right. Is that where the, um, objections uh, from the from the field come in or haters where they're saying oh well, you have to you have to touch someone for it to be physical therapy or yeah, even yeah. Do anything. it is and that's it the funny part is it's getting less and less so 15 years ago i was roasted all the time anything yeah. telehealth related that i would bring up people would just jump and dogpile on me immediately right yeah. i'm gonna ruin the profession yada 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 but whenever they realize that I was working in a clinic. I knew that there was a manual therapy component that was necessary, but I also knew that, you know, if we ran fast enough, we could outrun the technology that was going to try and jump over us. Mm -hmm. And if we're not prepared for that, we're just going to be lapped in the field and let those personal trainers do everything that they want to do across state lines, you know, across country lines and have no impact because technically carte blanche for them. And we're all restricted by certain things we need to at least get our restrictions in line to treat everybody that we can possibly with telehealth and kind of take back the reins of that, take back control. Right. So have you seen that like with personal trainers that they're, that's one of the ways they're taking away our business because we're not, I I don't even see it as they're taking away our business. Like we've dropped the ball. Yeah. We haven't done it. Yes. You know, and they're, and they're like, let's do, let's do online coaching. Yeah. You know, I'll help you through all these things. Yeah, it's a huge avenue. Uh, I think that's one of the things that I keep harping on with the APTA is that I'm not, I'm not anti-APTA, but I'm like, dude, you got to you know, either go or get off the pot. Let's go. Let's push this profession forward and grow it. And there's an obvious technological gap that I see with that organization and with the PTs that want to do this. Mm-hmm. Is, and they've got to bridge that gap soon or else we're going to have a detrimental effect in the next five years. 
because there's going to be people that could easily come and supplant us because we're handcuffed by rules and regulations, which is all fine and good. It's meant to keep the patient safe. But at the same time, it's also shrinking our profession with others can come in and do the exact same thing, promote it in a different angle and have no regulations on them. That shrinks our profession. And anybody that says otherwise is, you know, kicking themselves in the head and putting blinders on. Right. In my experience, it's almost like, and it, it's like there's a lack of being willing to take a stand. Yeah, absolutely. Is that what you feel? Yeah, yeah. totally. Absolutely. Like we don't want to, yeah, we don't want to let our real opinion know or like make an opinion because we don't want to do something like, but it's like, you've got to like take a stand and say, this is the way it is. We've got the knowledge and this is how you're going to go forward. Yeah. yeah. That's Anybody that's going to create a movement, you have got to be able to stand up and say what you think and then lay out the logic of why you think that. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that our professional organizations are backing us enough with that stance that allows us to grow and to support the right. things that we want to see change. Right. But right. yeah. So that's yeah. why it's easy for people like you and I, man, it's because yeah. we're like, we're not handcuffed by anything. We can just talk about this stuff all day. I know. I know. Yeah. And I don't want to make this like a, like a hating on the APTA podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've had the same struggles. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had the same struggles. And you know, for me, it was, okay, vision 2020 is we're autonomous practitioners, but yet you're still teaching me how to market to physicians. I'm just like, yep. incongruent message. Yep, yep. Still having ultrasound ads in the magazines with the journals you're making. All right, come on. Yeah, yeah. like to say no thank you to the money because that's not what we believe in. Right, yep, you know? exactly, man. Right, so what do you think is the future? Like, what's the thing that we have to be doing that if, even if I don't want a health, health, uh, telehealth practice, like, what do I need to be aware of? You know, I would absolutely... Years? say that anybody that's just coming out of school, I almost see it as, you know, how the the best way to start a cash practice was kind of renting some space, right? Mm -hmm. And growing that and then branching out. You grow that, you branch out and you buy your own place or you get a new spot. It's almost a precursor to grabbing a booth or grabbing some space is to do some sort of telehealth component just because it has no overhead Mm -hmm. or very low. I mean, it's, it's, like a Netflix subscription, basically, to have your own telehealth digital practice. You can do that at the cost that's 25 bucks a month. Right. So having that sort of overhead, at least it's dipping your toe in the business of trying to provide your services to others. Mm -hmm. And then it's not really a big leap to go and get some space. And then having that offering in your back pocket that differentiates you from others. Mm -hmm. I think that can be something that, uh, that adds to those people that want to start a cash practice that want to start a solo practice and it can give them that leverage they need to be flexible and also provide that extra layer of service for other patients that want to be seen. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, I want to ask a couple like technical kind of questions and I want to get them back up from the technical details when you're doing it. So like in my brick and mortar business, we do super bills and then there's, mobile, which, you know, has a couple little things that you might change on a super bill type of thing. Yeah. Telehealth and for documentation and all these little things that like we end up getting bogged down in because yeah. we think we need to be right on it. But at the same time, it's important. Yeah. Is there anything different like with a super bill or with documentation or billing that someone needs to be aware of? Yeah. Documentation, I think um, cracks people up when I talk about this because I do pen and paper documentation. So I'm sitting there writing. Patients love that. They hate typing. I've asked them, you know, that's one of the things they love to see me write down when they're talking because they know I'm listening. If yeah. I'm typing, they're like, is he on Facebook? Right. right. So even though you're on a computer writing <laughs> yes. is yeah. better than just typing in tons. Yeah. 
So that makes a difference. And then whenever I'm wrapped up with a patient, I finish up my visit. My note is done. I put it in a fireproof filing cabinet that locks. I group them together with, you Mm -hmm. know, dates, patient's name and times and just keep it all there. If I need to write something up for their doctor, then I type up a real one and fax Mm -hmm. it over. But I'd say 95% of the time, I don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. That was just one of those things that made things so much easier, especially if if I was back doing a little bit of home health on the side because I had to get out of my chair every now and then. That was one thing that my wife has kept me super honest with is get out of your chair. Uh Don't sit in front of this all day. So being able to do that and have the documentation just kick me in the head with like an oasis that takes two and a half hours, right? Yeah. I was just like, oh, the documentation is definitely a plus using telehealth versus regular. That's awesome. Um, is there anything like you have to write differently, like with like exercises or, or, or like where you are, play, like how, where the service is delivered, any of these things that are different than when you were really. an outpatient? Yeah. Nah, not really. I mean, it's, it's, I would have a specific folder in my file for telehealth patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I was doing any sort of cash-based mobile stuff, I would do it that way yeah. and just have that collected in a different file folder. Um, yeah. But as far as like super bills goes, you just provide the super bill, yeah. especially if it's a parity state. Um, right. Sometimes it's a slam dunk and you get the patient gets paid back, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What's the, what are the other like big questions that you get in your group? Like, are they, did, did we miss one of them? Like one of the big I'd say- things? A lot of it is, is based around HIPAA, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the number one thing, you know, five years ago, my joke is I, if you said HIPAA in a room, hundred PTs, 96 of them duck under a table immediately. Right. So you've got the education of our space that see HIPAA and can actually go on the cms.gov website and see that differentiation between a covered entity and a non-covered entity. Mm-hmm. And it applies just the same as a cash-based practice and everything else. If you're following a few rules, I mean, it's, it's not hard to differentiate. And where that comes into play is, your software always needs to be secure and encrypted as needed, but the as needed part means every piece of software that you get needs to be super secure. Mm-hmm. Now, all HIPAA does is saying that you have to have a business associates agreement. So if you're a covered entity doing telehealth, you need to have a business associates agreement with like Google, which is super easy because it's one click. Amazon, one click. So pretty much we can see the writing on the wall. All these companies are going to start doing it and it's going to become less and less expensive. But then you have the platforms like Zoom. Zoom's monthly that I use right now is 15 bucks and I can make it encrypted and it's fine. The HIPAA compliant portion is 200 bucks a month. Right. So it's just to take that liability with a BAA. So it's not like you're getting extra bonus features or like some sort of 3D visual during the telehealth visit. It's just a BAA that says that Zoom will take over responsibility if somebody hacks in or can somehow de-encrypt the file, which mm-hmm. is next to near impossible, especially if you're using a VPN and encryption. It's almost impossible to break through anything like that. So that's kind of the tech component of it with yeah. HIPAA being a compliant versus, or a, yeah, a covered entity versus a non-covered entity. And I mm-hmm. suggest everybody look that up Yeah, because there's yeah. an easy differentiation. It's so, it's, and it's like, it's, it's, Simple, but yeah, when you look at it, it looked like you're, you're like, whoa, what's all this? Oh, know, yeah, trash it's meant to be confusing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and nobody even knows that there is no HIPAA police. Right. Like, there is none. And as long as you're attempting to become more and more compliant, there's lots of leniency. Like, there's so many cases that I've talked to people that don't show up on the HIPAA offenders, right? Mm-hmm. It's all big hospitals that that corporation or somebody can get money out of that corporation with right. a big lawsuit. Right. Nobody's coming after you. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is charging you twenty bucks. Yeah, as 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 long as you're making your best effort. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, 
And so it's easy steps to take. It's like, I think someone said to me, oh, it's got to be double, you know, double locked. I'm like, yeah, we've got a lock on the front door. Uh, The computer's chained to the desk and there's a password. I mean, (laughs) what else do you want? You know, I can't super glue all these things together. (laughs) There has to be an entrance and a door somewhere. I know someone may break the window and crawl in and they could take some bolt cutters and walk away with this thing. But you know, what else am I going to do? You know, like no one's going to do that. That's really, uh, that's really awesome. So, um, I think like, I think I got, I think I got a good picture about, where where we are right now and you know i guess my my only other well i want to go back and ask a little bit more about your business like you're obviously not the only one in the business like you didn't write all the programs and no how have you like you've got a a a nice business like it's yeah like who else is helping you like what's the like what are the staff and processes you have in, in creating this uh these all these business i mean you've got apps and programs (laughs) and and services and free stuff i mean yeah how are you getting all this help done how are you getting all this work done man yeah you've got to surround yourself with people that are good and driven in the same way that you are so Mm -hmm. like i said my developer crew same crew i've had for almost four years now awesome those guys are great we respond and communicate really well it's probably the number one thing if you try and hire somebody and they cannot communicate within the first two weeks, please fire them and hire somebody else Mm -hmm. because that will absolutely drain all your time and effort is trying to teach somebody to be different than they are. So make it easy for yourself. Hire somebody that communicates well with you in an open way. So that's Mm -hmm. number one. That's the number one thing I've done. Um, Number two, I'm super lucky and have like the best wife in the world. She's a designer. She writes all the copy. She's my business consultant and partner in everything I do. And if I didn't have her, I would just be that engineer with my head in the clouds doing like 58 <laughs> things at once, right? And she's always yanking on the reins and going, nope, you focus on this. This is what you got to focus on because that's where it's heading, yeah. you know? So she's kind of the unsung hero. She always hops on lately our, our Q&A sessions. Um, she'll hop in there and really be beneficial because she comes at that different non-PT angle. Mm-hmm. But she's like the ultimate consumer, that high-level professional. She's an artist. She's, you know, a designer. And it's so good to have that point of view in a business where I could just be in an echo chamber all day. So having those outside sources and listening to those outside sources, that's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. Is she creating all the awesome graphics on your websites or Mm -hmm. everything, man? Wow. She's she's the best. That's great. That's great. And is is she like working full time like with you on this or she's also doing something else? She, she's similar to me. She'll look for other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily we, we've been able to just kind of dedicate ourselves to this only. Yeah. And so there's no, you know, second paid gig that we have to do now with all these different businesses and all our business partners that we have. So it's been really nice that way. And that, you know, we want to wake up and have coffee and block out an hour. We can do that. That's so it's so been awesome. really nice. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. Was it difficult leaving patient care to do this? Yeah. So friend, I'd say from October to now, I've been so heads down, especially developing digital dot physio that mm-hmm. I haven't really thought about it too much. But then the last month after we released digital physio, I was like, I kind of miss it. But at the same time, I know if I dunk myself back in it, it just takes away from all the other things that I'm doing. Yeah. And, and my big mission is literally to push telehealth into the space of physical therapy. So I know if I can stay dedicated and kind of keep my focus, I'll be able to succeed. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I, in the end, I'll be able to help more patients by dedicating myself to spreading this into our profession mm-hmm. versus seeing one-on-one patients. It's much more scalable for me to focus on what I'm doing now versus get back into patient care. 
Right. So how are you going to make that happen? How are you going to push telehealth into PT and what's next for you? Yeah. So it's a bunch of education, um, getting into talking to more DPT programs, which is great um, because even last year it was questionable if they wanted Mm -hmm. me in. And now I got people sending me emails asking me. So that's a big plus. Um, It's nice to see our group graph of growth being at that 45 degree angle. Yeah. I mean, I just posted two days ago that we had 40 new people in the group and right now I need to do it again with 40 more new people two days ago. So it's great wow. because somebody posts something about, Hey, telehealth. And then somebody will post our group and then mm-hmm. we'll have a flood of people come in and those people every single time they're like, Hey, how do I get started? And then I just throw them to telehealthpt.com because yeah. that makes my knowledge scalable and then they can ingest that and then they can get started I say 85% of people can watch the stuff on telehealthpt.com, get started and go in for free and never pay anything, which Mm -hmm. I'm fine with. Absolutely fine with. Because if I'm doing a movement, that's what it takes. Right, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have a a movement mascot or a manifesto or like a something? Not yet. I I should, but then again, I know if I make one, it's kind of like a business plan. You make a business plan and two seconds later, it's going to change. Right. Watch your business plan. So it's one of those where maybe shortly, I know we're going to, we've got some t-shirts that we want to get made. That might be the first step. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Where, um, where do you see this in five years? Mm, I see it definitely tying in and growing our profession a ton. Um, because as telemedicine grows, we have a chance to parallel that because these telemedicine doctors, what I'm hearing all the time after I hop off with you, I've got another call with a telemedicine company that Mm. needs an outlet for their telemedicine patients that are musculoskeletal patients that have no solutions. Like the doctors can't give them opiates anymore. And if they just get told, take some ibuprofen and rest for a day or two, that's crap. And they get low reviews because of it. So they're looking for an outlet that is on par and parallel with what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. So there, I see more and more outreach with our new digital dot physio system that these telemedicine companies are looking for this outreach. And so we're just throwing it out, connecting, and I'm doing as much as I can to make these connections and get us more new patients. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, um, Rob, we're about out of time. Um, thank you for being here today. Appreciate it. I appreciate it too. Can you tell us like if someone wants to connect with you, like where do we find your, find your group and how do we, uh, how do we get in touch with you? Yeah. So the Facebook group is telehealth PT providers. So if you just simply type in telehealth and physical therapy or physio, it'll pull up our group. We've got 2,300 members now. Um, and that's growing like crazy, like I said, man. And then if anybody wants to reach out to me directly, um, you can just reach out to me, Rob at ptlive.me. I've always got open hours. Um, I'll just talk to people for an hour about telehealth. Yeah. So, um, awesome. This might be a death wish, but my <laughs> calendar, I've actually branded this thing. So it's x.ai, that automated calendar system. So x.ai slash calendar slash telehealth. You can grab an hour of time with me. Yeah. Wow. And, that's very generous of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's make awesome. A movement, man. Got to keep time. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you were telling me you've got a whole like a coupon code for to get a bunch of free Q&A. Yeah. For people that I know are going to have a lot of questions. So, um, yep. where do we go to get that? Yeah, so to go to that, if you go to telehealthpt.com, um, what is it? backslash No, I've got to even I, I, I see it. It's it's telehealthpt.com forward slash telehealth Q and A. Spelled out, right? Spelled out. And then there's a coupon code when you go yep. there enter your info and the coupon is April Q and a, and you'll get what 15. Yeah. So it's like for free. Yeah. So it's, I think it's like 12 hours of Q and a, um, that people can get for free. Normally it's 150 bucks and included in different packages that are sold there, but 
seriously, just enter that and you will probably have 99% of your questions answered by just watching a few of those Q and A's. And it's fun. Like it's all off the cuff. There's nothing scripted about it. Mm-hmm. It's just me yakking and then Sarah reining me in whenever I get too far off topic. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And well, I'll put all these uh, links and everything in the show notes um, for you guys. So if you're driving and you can't take the hands off the steering wheel to type this in your phone, um, just go to the labourconsulting.com podcast forward slash podcast and we'll have Rob's podcast in there with the show notes and all the links and everything. Um, Rob, thank you again for being here. Appreciate it. Always, man. Thanks yeah. so much. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person someday as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Definitely, definitely on the case, and uh, we'll have to share a beer sometime. Oh, you yeah, want. for sure, <laughs> for sure. All right, um, for Aaron LeBauer and Rob Vining, this is the Cash Pedal Into Our podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Hey, what's up? This is Aaron. Real quick, if you're just getting started with a cash practice, then be sure to check out my step-by-step checklist, which will walk you through the whole process. Go to cashptchecklist.com to get your free CashPT checklist where you'll learn all the essential steps you need to take to get started. It's absolutely free and always will be. Over 5,000 people have already downloaded it, so make sure you don't miss out. And if you're already a business owner, but not generating the revenue you think you deserve or have the time, the freedom that you want, and you would like to grow and scale your business in the shortest amount of time possible, then you may be a great fit for my CashPT Platinum Mastermind Group. Just head over to CashPTMastermind.com where you can get all the details and apply for a free strategy call where you'll get clarity on your vision and a path to getting there.